1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17, please. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse, verse 17. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church of Corinth. If you recall, the church of Corinth had, an, had very much troublesome issues going on. It was very divisive. They couldn't get their doctrine straight. They were very fleshly and carnal. It was a lot, it was a big mess going on in the church of Corinth. Paul, he argues, the reason why these Corinthians keep messing up is because part of it had to do with their pride. They think they knew all the doctrines. They think that they were spiritual so that they didn't need to know the things they were supposed to do. And Paul had to tell them, he had to actually remind them, I've told you this before, but it's so sad that you have forgotten and you need to remember again. I have to remind you once more. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and we'll read verse 17. <clears throat> For this cause have I sent unto you Timotheus, who is my beloved son and faithful in the Lord. Who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways which be in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church? The Apostle Paul says that because that you have messed up and you have forgotten the things that I've told you on, if you apply these things that I've spoken to you a long time ago, you wouldn't have messed up. But because you constantly keep messing things up, I'm going to send to you Timotheus. He's the guy that I trust. He's the one who will be sure to tell you my ways of how I've instructed you, how I've told you, what, how you should live your life for Jesus Christ the right way. And I've spoken this to everybody in every church out there. I want you to keep those things in mind. The problem with church members today, like the church of Corinth, is that we don't remember what we've been told. Now, you've heard an, a, an unlimited amount of sermons and teachings. We are truly spoiled, this church. God has been very good to us. Sure, we're in a very wicked liberal area, but we've also been one of the most fed areas, well-fed areas as well. God's been very good to us. We've heard so many different preachers, speakers, even our own men, which is a huge blessing, and our women, who are teaching, uh, women teaching the other women, and then the men preaching to the audience. It's, we've been fed so much. I've been digging a lot to give you various topics, not just one. I don't park on one topic. I've given you a diversity of topics where you can enjoy, where you can grow in the Lord. We have truly been blessed, this church. But the problem is, with all this that we have in our hands, it doesn't do any ounce of good if you don't remember if you don't remember, you can't apply it. Now, you might be the person who gets convicted from the preaching and you want to apply it in your life and outwardly practice it. But here's the problem. You can't outwardly practice it, what you've heard, if you've forgotten. That's very important to understand. I guarantee every single person in this room, no matter who you are, including yours truly, that means then, have, have memory issues. We don't remember everything. I promise that much. Because we're weak in the flesh. If we remembered everything, our lives could dramatically change and we would not struggle with the same issues. 
we would better live for Jesus Christ spiritually. So I hope that this sermon will help you. And that's a problem facing churches. According to today's title, Members Can't Remember. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that you'll please help us to remember. We can't remember everything, but you can help us to remember the important things, the main things, things that we should apply in our lives. I pray that you'll fill within me the power of your Holy Spirit and the cleansing of your blood. May your hand of blessing fall on today's message. Lord, I'm just preaching the way you uh, want me to preach. I don't know why, Lord. Uh, I always feel like that uh, I can mess up. I don't speak very well. And people who know me from long ago know that. But I don't know how and why you used me this far. Will you do so again? Because all I'm trying to do is just pleasing you and helping these people live better for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The first point is causes help you to remember. Causes help you to remember. If we know the causes, then it will better help us to keep in mind the things that we're supposed to know. So there are causes that we should think about. Notice right here it says, for this cause, right? For this cause have I sent. So let's look at that. Let's explore the causes. In order to not mess up, you need to know the issues. You need to know the causes. Think about this. If some of you are struggling with the same temptations over and over and over again, I have a strong feeling that if you remembered all the tips that you've learned in conquering temptation... All the tips, I mean, the word of God is filled with it. The preaching you've heard from it, other people has given you their testimonies and you receive that fresh motivation. If you remembered all those tips in the middle of that sin and that temptation at that time, you would not fall prey into it. But the reason why you fall prey into it is you're going by your own might and strength to resist it, even though receiving fresh motivation to conquer the temptation. All you're going by is your own might and strength rather than, I, wait a minute, I've learned this from the word of God on how to overcome this temptation. I got to take steps to do it this way. That way I can get victory. Well, why don't you do that? Why didn't that pop in your mind? Because at the moment, our memory doesn't seem to work. It doesn't seem to come alive in our minds at that moment. If we realize the cause, see, realizing this cause then we would force ourselves to, okay, it's time to remember some things. Think about it. People have a lot of issues that they go through in life, so then they seek counseling. They seek counseling from people the Lord sent into their lives, the pastors that the Lord has given to them. But the problem is, and one thing that I notice from my own life and from other people, is that when we hear the advice from counseling, we don't apply it. Usually people go there to dump their problems and their woes and for you to understand their feeling, hoping that you would say something that will make them feel good, some kind of key solution. But the problem is it's not a key solution if you don't even apply it. Right. Why? We've forgotten what we've heard from counseling that we should actually apply into our lives so that we can get victory. Imagine if you followed every advice from the counseling. Do you think that you would be in a better position now? Think about that. If you remembered, or do you remember? Sometimes, I know some preachers, when they do counseling, they'll give a paper and then do fill in the blank. 
to make sure that the person remembered what they were told rather than just agreeing, yes, yes, you're right, you're right, that's good. See, that's a problem that we have. If we realize these causes, it would force us to start remembering and then we can apply and practice them correctly. Think about the sermons that you've heard from so many different talented preachers. I guarantee you this. If we applied all those tips that we heard from all these preachers, we would be the holiest people ever. Because we got probably the greatest preachers. We, I mean, uh, this is not to uh, make them feel embarrassed, but praise the Lord when you compare with typical preachers in the Bay Area nowadays. I mean, this is a high rank. You would think that you can conquer the world after that, that you can get victory in Jesus Christ. But why is it that we still, still go through the same issues we go through? Our spiritual growth is still the same. It's because we didn't remember. We didn't write it down. We didn't, we didn't remember the experience, the conviction, what they said that we can apply to our lives. Think about many times where we always worry when problems happen. And we always try to do something about the worry and fear. And the first tendency, the first reaction should be prayer before needlessly overdoing something and needlessly, needlessly worrying about it. it. Shouldn't prayer be the first instant reaction? But we always forget. We always forget to pray first. And the instant reaction is, let me go by how my flesh feels. Let me do something about it. The flesh always has to do something about it. Imagine if we worked on our memory issues for this cause. The causes, then we can force ourselves to remember rather than going by the ways of the flesh, needlessly, needlessly. If we remembered all the blessings of the Lord, kept that in mind, no matter how miserable or bad your life is, you'd be the happiest person in the world. You can go through a trial, you can go through an affliction, but if you remember God's promise, His blessing, how He's taken care of you, then you would spend more time enjoying the blessing rather than wasting time focusing on one or a couple issues you're going through. Needlessly wasting time, all those precious blessings that you still have in your hands that you could have enjoyed, but you just don't keep them in mind. You don't remember them. Think about uh, how many times God pulled you through, answered prayer after prayer, provided miracle after miracle. Why doubt God now? But the reason why we still have fearfulness and we go through worries and uh, when we go through a new problem in life and we go, oh man, what am I going to do? It's because we don't remember how many times God pulled us through the fire. Imagine if we fix that issue by that cause. We, it can cause us to remember. Think about how you can work on your humility. You know why people have a pride issue? They don't remember the mistakes that, that, that they did before. That only they themselves were so stupid enough to commit. That will work on your humility. Before you think very highly of yourself. Humility would be a big thing if you remember the mistakes that only you stupid you made and no one else. That will help you a lot in your humility. A lot of people, they get wrong thoughts about others. They get angry at people easily. They get critical and judgmental. The reason why is they don't remember the incorrect, the 
the mistakes of their assumptions. They only thought about the correctness, the positions of their assumptions, which supports their wrong judgment. But if you were to remember more on the error and the mistake and how grievous and wrong your thoughts were, your wrong thoughts were, it would make you hold your tongue. You would say, you would tell yourself, before I open my big fat mouth and embarrass myself, because I might have assumed wrongly right here, I better shut my mouth before I embarrass myself. If you thought about, see, remember the error of your thought, of your feeling, then you wouldn't be that critical, judgmental of others. Get angry at people easily. If you remember that first before you say something, before you say something. Imagine if you remembered all the tasks that you're responsible for. And if there were people here who gave you tips, hey, in order for you to fulfill your tasks better, I know that you keep messing up here, but here's an advice, here's a suggestion. If we remembered all of them, then we wouldn't make a mistake in our duties and tasks. Why is it that we still slack behind? Why is it that we still mess up and fail? Why is it that we still make mistakes? That we don't seem to do a good enough job. We fail to take responsibility of the task we're given. Especially if it's a task doing the work of the Lord. That you don't want to mess up in. One thing in the job and the school place. But it's sad people take those secular things more seriously than the work of the Lord. Why is that? We don't remember. We don't remember the seriousness and the suggestions and the tips that were given. That could help us act more responsibly. In the work of the Lord. In taking care of our home. Our children. Why do parents keep failing the kids? They forgot what they were told. On how to raise them. Why do children fail their family? And they always feel miserable. Because they forget their role in the home as well. When people forget their responsibility. Their serious roles. You know how you end up like? The uh, big fat mess called the Bay Area. Crime goes high, mess goes high, garbage goes high, and a dunghill just gets higher and higher in the streets of San Francisco. Yep. That's what you get. Right. Why? Because everyone neglects and forgets the seriousness and their part in responsibility. They're just wasting so much time on uh, protecting a green uh, blade of grass yep. right. more than their own role, their own home, their children, yes. and the people around yes. them. Yes. Idiots at their finest, Amen. That's what you get. You get this kind of Lulu world. Why? Because we Bible-believing Christians suffer the same mental issues as the liberals in the Bay Area. We don't take our role seriously. I strongly believe that. We're part, it, because I see it in my action. Because I lived in this culture so long, I notice how much I can lax, be more lax, and fail in my responsibility as well. We don't want to be infected by this environment. By this culture, this wickedness. It is affecting us whether we consciously know it or not. But imagine if we remember how much of the problems would be resolved, right? For this cause. For this cause. What if Paul never wrote that phrase, for this cause? Imagine this. Look at that verse again, okay? If we were to look at that verse again in verse 17... I sent unto you Timotheus, who is my beloved son and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways, which be in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church. Why, if you hear that, then you're going to take it as, oh, Paul is going to send us Timothy to remind us of the ways of the Lord. If you drop that word for this cause, 
If you were the Corinthians, you would think, oh, Paul's just sending Timothy to remind us of his ways where we can serve the Lord together. Normally, the people would react when the preacher comes here and says, I'm going to tell you some things of the Lord. I'm going to remind you the ways of God, how to serve him. You're going to take it like right now, sitting in your seat and saying, oh, he's going to tell us some things of the Lord that we should keep in mind, that we should remember, and this will be a blessing, and then uh, I'm going to take something from the Lord and then use it for his glory. But there's nothing wrong with that. But what if I added for this cause, I have to remind you about the ways of the Lord. I have to tell you to do this. What does that mean, for this cause? For this cause, meaning that you directly yourself, you, yeah, I'm talking to you, have this memory issue, which is why you keep struggling with the same temptation, which is why you struggle with the same worry and fear, which is why you struggle with the wrong thoughts and accusations, which is why you fail to apply the things in the counseling that could have helped you in your life, which is why you fail in your current duty and task and taking responsibility for it. If you thought of it that way, when I said, because you failed in that, because you specifically failed to remember that, that's why you need to hear what to remember, what to do to fix your problem. What do you think the conviction will do after that? Much better. Shouldn't we do it that way? Shouldn't we? Shouldn't we do that all the time in preaching? Rather than just thinking this is a good sermon. This is something the Lord wants me to hear. No, no, something more direct than that. The Lord wants me to hear this because of this cause. Because I struggle with this issue. I am to blame for that. So Gene, you better shut up and pay attention. And keep your ears open, especially. Wouldn't that be the case? I mean, uh, look at James 1. If you don't have to believe me. Let's look at scripture. Keep your bookmark here and go to James 1. James chapter 1. If you think that, well, this is a sermon that I can just simply hear and get a blessing out of it. No, 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 you're wrong. You're very, very much wrong. This is a sermon where you have to hear because there's something you must do about it. If you just come here to think this is something that I just... This is a good sermon to hear. This is a good sermon to hear. You deceived yourself and wasted your time. You have to think about this is a sermon that's directly aimed at me that I need to hear because there's something I must do about it to change my life. That's the thing. Shouldn't preaching be that way? What's the point of hearing the preaching if there's something that you don't have to do about it but just hear Look at James chapter 1. That's what the Bible says. You don't have to believe me. James 1.22. The Bible says, But be ye what? Doers. Doers of the word and what? Not hearers only. Is that you today? You're only a hearer. Is that what you're doing right now? You're only a hearer? Or, no, I must hear so I can do something about it after the sermon's over. If you won't think like that, then fine. Then you just wasted your time. You deceived yourself. The verse continues in verse 22, deceiving your own selves. Look at 23. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth this way and straightway. What? Forgetteth. Forgetteth what manner of man he was. 
Pastor, I don't have a remembrance issue. No, you do. You do. Because if you don't think that way, that this sermon applies to me, where I have a remembrance issue so that I can do something about it, if you refuse to think like that, then if you just hear the word and walk out of the room, you know what the Bible says? You do have a remembrance problem. Am I making any sense to you? You think you remember, but God says, no, you actually don't. That's why I said, guarantee, 100%, all of us, including yours truly, has a remembrance issue. Let's use common sense. Why do we come to church every Sunday, then, if we don't have remembrance issues? Well, let me uh, open your eyes again. Why sometimes preachers have to preach out of the same passage if we don't have remembrance issues? I guarantee you this, James 1, 22, be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. I bet you I wasn't the only one that preached that. Somebody else preached out of that. I guarantee a couple preachers preached out of that passage. So why do I have to preach that again? Because you forgot. You have a remembrance issue. Why do we have to read the Bible daily? Like daily. You have a remembrance issue. If you refuse to admit that first, as I resume the next points, it's a complete waste of time. You're not going to apply it. But if you say, listen, this is the most important point. Otherwise, you can just walk out of this room when I continue the rest of the preaching. Because you're just wasting your time. Before I go to the next points, you must admit, you must believe, I have a remembrance issue. Yes. So whatever the pastor is going to say, I need to hear it so that I can do it and apply it. Otherwise, the rest of the sermon I'm going to say, you're going to tell yourself, well, that don't apply to me. I don't have to do that. Or oh, I already know about that. Or oh, I already did that. No, 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 you didn't. And you need to hear it. And you need to say, I need to seriously apply this. Am I wasting my time right now as I preach to you the word of God? Can we close it here and I don't have to give you point two, three, and four? Let's go back to 1 Corinthians 4 again. My second point is caring helps you to remember. Caring helps you to remember. In other words, if you, re if you really have people care about you, it's easier to remember them. When, when people make you feel like you've been cared for, it's easier to remember those people who care for you. Look at this. Uh, the second part of the verse says, Have I sent unto you Timotheus, who is my beloved son? Timotheus is the man who remembers the ways of Paul. Who remembers out of all the other people. And Paul had confidence that Timothy will tell you. Because he remembers. You guys don't. But Timothy remembers. He'll tell you what you need to hear. And the reason why is because Timoth Timotheus is his beloved son, he calls him. He's his beloved son. Uh, look at Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1. Out of everyone else, you know what Paul said about Timothy? He's my beloved son. He never called the Corinthians that way. He never called the Corinthians something very special where, hey, you're my beloved son. He never said that about them, but only for Timothy. Why is that? Because there's something special about Timothy. But I think Paul, to be honest, he does 
love everyone. All of the, his sheep are his beloved. So why would he make Timothy something very special here? What's the difference? Because if you look at Ephesians 1, 6, to the praise of his glory, of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us, this is Paul speaking, accepted in where? A beloved. That includes the Corinthians. Every saved believer is that. As a matter of fact, 2 Corinthians 12, the Corinthians who are messing up, Paul calls them his beloved. He calls them dearly beloved. So then, if the Corinthians are beloved, why is it in 1 Corinthians 4, Paul makes a distinction, no, Timotheus is my beloved son. There's something more special about him. Why would Paul make that distinguishing? If everyone is the beloved, why would Paul particularly call Timotheus, he's my beloved son? But not you guys, but he's my beloved son. Paul, that's not really true because you called the Corinthians your dearly beloved at 2 Corinthians 12. You said in Ephesians 1, 6 that God put us in the beloved. Ah, but there's a clear difference. That's why. There's a clear difference of Timotheus being the beloved and the Corinthians being the beloved. Because look at Ephesians 1, 6 again. We need to read that carefully. When you got saved in the Lord Jesus Christ, I don't care who you are. If you're a saved believer in Jesus Christ, you're in the beloved. We have to love you. We have to love you in the Lord, no matter how our flesh feels. But that's the key right there. Look at Ephesians 1, 6. To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath what? Made us. Made us accepted in the beloved. There's a distinction... There's a distinction with being made to love and being naturally loved. Can I repeat that again? There's a clear difference with being made to love and being naturally loved. What do I mean by that? You know, no matter how wicked your sin is, according to Ephesians 1.6, you're still beloved of God. No matter how many times you grieve the Holy Spirit, see? No matter how much you make God upset at you, you're still Loved by God because you're made. You're made in the beloved. That's why we have to love you. Amen. Praise the Lord. That's a great thing. Uh, I know that there are some people you just go, "Ah," but you have to love them. But see, that's also a negative thing. Not just a positive. We have to. See that? Have to love you. Why is it that we have to? Why can't we just naturally love you? That's good, Master. That's what Timotheus was different from the Corinthians. Corinthians were made to be loved. So much made to love that Paul even said, I'll be spent for you, even if you don't spend yourselves for me. Let me ask you this, church. When the brother and sister in Christ says, I love you in the Lord... Is it because they have to? Are they making themselves love you in the Lord? Trying to ignore the things that you make them uncomfortable on. Trying to ignore your weaknesses and deficiencies. And they have to see through the lens of Jesus Christ and make themselves love you. Why does it have to be that way? Why can't they just naturally love you? See, that's a clear difference. 
The clear difference is, think about this, if you're a person that's naturally loved, let's say, for example, by a parent or by a pastor, why is it that the parent or the pastor just naturally more easily loves you or you're their favorite child or favorite member? There's a reason. It was easier to love you. Why was Timothy more easily loved? He, he remembered. He was faithful. He did his job right. I guarantee you this. For a person to be naturally loved by someone is because they remember what pleases them. They always keep in mind. They never forget. They don't always go, oh, I'm sorry, or I forgot, or, well, you have to understand my issue, what I'm going through, so will you excuse me? They don't do that. To be naturally loved by a person is completely forgetting about themselves and completely remembering about that other person, what they can do to make that other person happy. Do you want God to be happy with you? Do you want God to be pleased with you? Can he naturally, easily love you? Are you his special favorite, his pick, his choice, his beloved? Jesus Christ fulfilled that. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Can you even reach a threshold of that, a little bit of that one? If you concentrate in being beloved by God... If you concentrate on being beloved by others, I guarantee you this, you're not going to forget the things that could help you in your relationship with others, in your relationship with the Lord. The reason why your walk with God is always struggling, your spiritual walk is up and down, up and down, is because you don't make yourself naturally loved by others. You don't concentrate on that. You don't do things where people and God naturally love you. Instead, they have to make it. They have to make it. They have to make it. Think about it. A person who's going to be picked by God for a big task has to be something the Lord easily loves, easily trusts, knows that the person will always keep in mind what he told them to do, and they will do it. See, remembering and being beloved goes hand in hand together. You can't be beloved if you... Don't remember what will please the person, what will please God. That's why you have to look at yourself. Why are you a forgetful type? Why do you think your marriage life is struggling? Why do you think your relationship with fellow brethren is struggling? Why do you think your your walk with God is struggling? I'll tell you why. It's why are you always so forgetful? I'll tell you why. You're not beloved. You're not beloved easily. But if you focus on that, concentrate, put your all into that, in being naturally loved by the person, you will remember everything and do it right. The next point is, and faithful in the Lord, verse 17. Notice 1 Corinthians 4, 17. It says, and faithful in the Lord. So Timotheus is the guy who would remember things, what Paul told him to do, because he was faithful in his task. Faithful means consistent. It means to never skip, not lag behind on anything, just always right there, faithfully committed. But the Corinthians were not. 
Isn't it common sense? This is a no-brainer, okay? This is not some deep doctrine, all right? This is as basic as it can get, okay? Common sense. If you faithfully do something, like reading your Bible, reading your Bible, how can you forget reading your Bible? If you faithfully pray and pray and pray before a trial, before an issue, how can you forget praying? If you faithfully go out soul winning, telling others how to get saved, how can you forget soul winning? If you faithfully minister to others' needs, prioritize them above yourself, then how can you forget loving the brethren after that? If you always faithfully commit to do something, it's common sense you're not going to forget it. Why? Because you're always doing it. No brainer, right? No brainer. It should be that simple. But the Corinthians, why can't they get that common sense? It's so common sense. We should all know that. So why is it, listen, why is it that we still have memory issues? If it's that simple, if it's that basic. I'll tell you why. Because the context of verse 2, Paul tells them why. The context of verse 2. The reason why they're not faithful, the reason why they miss out this common sense is verse 2. He tells the Corinthians, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Well, that's common sense, Paul, that we should be faithful so we don't forget. No, <laughs> Paul started the passage. Why you're not faithful is because you don't get it at verse 2. It is required. It is required to be faithful. Your problem is, is you don't think of it as a mandatory requirement, as a necessity. You know why we easily forget? We put it not as first priority. We always put it third priority. We put it as an option. Something on a shelf. Something I'll remember to do later on to do for the Lord. No, 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 no. That's your exact problem. That's why you keep putting it on a shelf. Or you take it off a shelf and you forgot you dropped it off the shelf. That's your problem. Because you didn't think of it as priority number one. Something you have to do. Something you must do. If you think of it, this is mandatory. It is required out of me. I must do it. You won't forget it. But I'll tell you why you forget it. It's an option to you. It's always an option to come to Sunday church. Think about it. Like uh, it's, uh, it's not like uh, the Lord's going to uh, cut off your hands and your feet or the pastor or the people are going to get mad at you when during Sunday Bible study you walk in the middle of the Genesis teaching, not the beginning of it. Why? It's an option. Everyone has free choice. We're not the Catholic Church doing an inquisition, thank God. I'm not John Calvin where I set up my theocracy, put a person in jail for the wrong haircut for a couple days. We're not like that. But that's our problem. We took our liberty in Christ and abused it. We abused our liberty in Christ because I'm once saved, always saved, so it's okay. I can keep falling back to the same sin. I don't have to take the work of the Lord seriously. I don't have to pay back Jesus Christ. Jesus died on the cross for me. That's great. And he wants me to take up my cross and follow him. But that's an option. That's why I don't have to commit. That's why... You always forget. You always wonder why you forget the things you learned in the preaching, the tips to conquer temptation, the advice from counseling. Simple. It's an option to you. It's not a requirement. It's not something serious that you live or die for. Is this opening your eyes a bit? 
Because that's why we're, uh, we're so laxed. Right. We're too comfortable. Right. Because, oh, we don't have to make a big deal out of it. But we should make a big deal out of it. We should go, this is required out of me. That's why I am not getting over this hump. Why is it that I can't get over this bump? Why am I stuck in a rut? Why can't I do anything for God? Why am I not growing? Why isn't the Lord using me? The reason why is because that very issue, you just took everything as an option. But if you start to take things seriously, progression, progress comes out. Why do you think the economy's falling apart? No one's taking it seriously. It's that simple. You ever been to the businesses? You're waiting a long line, phone call and stuff like that. Even our wonderful government. They don't seem to be doing their jobs right. Why? They don't take this seriously. They just want to get their pay and get back home. Meet their own selfish needs. That's why this whole society is falling apart. But imagine if everyone took their responsibility seriously, how much fewer mistakes, fewer consequences and issues would come out. It would be much more fewer. Think about our church, how much we can progress if everyone took their role seriously. Think about your home, how much more peace and how much more happiness can there be if you took it more seriously. Think about how you can get victory over temptation and draw closer to Jesus Christ if you took it seriously. Not an option, but seriously. Not a, oh, I do take it seriously, pastor, but see, you don't take that as something that you have to do Otherwise, you're going to mess up or die. You don't think of it that way. You have to take it so seriously. We're too lax. We're too comfortable. The world is, the evidence is today's world. They're so lax and comfortable that no matter how much uh, scary things we hear about war coming out, the economy falling apart, people still go with the flow of layout, dissent, and comfort and just concentrate on their everyday lives like a bunch of robots, machines. That's evidence. Just look at the world around you. Look at the next part of the verse. It says in verse 17, Who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways which be in Christ? My fourth point is compulsion helps you to remember. Compulsion helps you to remember. I just finished my third point that consistency helps you to remember. You need something that compels you, something that causes you, something that brings you into remembrance. That's what the verse says, right? You know what our problem is? The reason why we forget is we don't have factors. We don't have certain things that compels us to remember. We think that, okay, I heard I'm going to do it. Then why do you still mess up? Why do you keep forgetting? You know why? You didn't set up factors in your life that will compel you to remember. If you set these things up, your responsibility, your seriousness of the task will improve. Your spiritual walk with Jesus Christ will vastly improve. The way that you take care of your home and your responsibility there would vastly improve, even in the workplace or even in secular everyday life and living. But nothing compels you. And I'm sick and tired every time I go to the stinking government and they go, oh, I forgot. And then you have to follow up with them every stinking time. Because they're not doing their stinking job. Right. Bunch of stinking people. Right. You know why? That's their problem. Is that they don't have things that will compel them to remember. 
And we Christians have been affected by this liberal behavior. Amen. Yeah, amen. I really believe that because I see that for myself, how I work in this culture. We're too lax. We keep forgetting things, forgetting, forgetting, and not doing the task right, not doing our work for Jesus Christ right, and struggling with the same problems over and over again, not seemingly get any victory in our lives. Because we always forget, forget, forget. Oh, what are your factors? Let me ask you this. What are your factors that will make you remember? Do you have something set up? Can I see your list of things? What are they? Or is it your trustworthy memory skills that you always struggle with? And that's why you keep messing up. No one remembers everything in his or her head. You get that? You have to have things that will compel you to remember. Well, what do the scriptures say? Well, uh, let's look at 2 Peter 3.1. 2 Peter 3.1. We'll look at a couple verses, hopefully all of them. But let's look at a couple verses right here. First, write it down. You got a list? You have no list. Why? Oh, I know what to do. I know what to do. Then why do you still struggle with the same problem? Why don't you write down what you heard from the preacher? Why don't you write down a list of the things that you need to do so you don't forget? Your duties of what you're supposed to do as a husband. Your duties what you're supposed to do as a wife. Your duty what you're supposed to do as a son and a daughter. Didn't you know even secular psychologists will have a list laid out and follow up with the client to make sure they did it? And they find out 99% of the time they don't do that? That's why CBT... Uh, psychotherapy is the most successful compared to Carl Jung therapy, which is nothing itself. Why? Because the cognitive behavior therapy, they specifically write it down and make you do your homework and see if you fulfill that homework. And there's 99% an improvement after that. Secularly speaking, why can't we, stupid human beings, get that? What Peter said, 2 Peter 3.1, This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your, what? Pure minds by way of remembrance. That's why I need the word of God. Why? Because I'm too stupid to remember. I'm going to forget it. That's why you need to write something down. Why? You're going to forget it. Well, no, no, it's, it's not for me. It's not for me. Then you're back to point number one. You forgot for this cause. You're back to point number one. What about 2 Timothy 1.3? 2 Timothy 1.3. Let's see right here. You ever thought about, um, well, I always forget. And, you know, I, uh, you know the, when the person talks to you, well, did you remember what I told you about this to conquer your issue? That can help you. Oh, yeah, but, but, but. It's always that. Yeah, but. But they never really did it. That's what they mean to say. Or they did forget about it. Right. Think about this. If you have a hard time, why not just simply pray? Pray about that specific thing, even if you disagree. Let's say you heard something that will help you remember. Do the work of the Lord. Do you always go, well, I don't know. Do you trust your feelings? Or do you go, Lord, what do you think about? I'll tell you what 99% of the people do. They go by their feelings. Well, I don't know. Uh, Well, well. uh, To shield with your feelings, sorry. 
Go by prayer. Amen. Surrender it to God and say, Lord, is this right? Yes. Amen. Pray about the specific thing to remember. Bible says 2 Timothy 1.3, I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee. Oh, so how did Paul remember Timothy in my prayers night and day? That's what will help you remember. And me and my wife, we feel like that we're not doing our duties well enough. What helps us to remind us is we hold our hands together before we start, our, start out our day and pray about the specific things, what I should do as a husband to her, what she should do as a wife to her husband. Now let's see your marriage life improve after that. Oh, I don't need that. See, that's why you still struggle. You don't pray about the specific thing to remember to the Lord. Mm, Psalm 55, Psalm 55. This brings up another thing. If prayer is that important to remind you, how often should we pray then? How often should we pray? Look at Psalm 55, 17. How about if you pray and reminded yourself at the beginning of the day? If you were to do that, don't you think you'd remember? If you pray and remind yourself at the beginning of the day, this is what I need to do, this is what I learned, I'm going to apply that in my life. When you'd start out your day before you brush your stinking teeth, maybe... Maybe the things you do in your home, your family, your workplace, and in the church will come out all right. Rather than constantly messing up. If you started your day that way. Amen. And if in the middle of the day, you stopped yourself and prayed and reminded yourself again on those things that helped you. Amen. And right before the day ends, before you forget again... That son and daughter you neglected for a long time, before the day ends, why not pray and remind yourself again? That way you don't end that day neglecting your son and daughter again. So why not start it at the beginning and the middle and right before you end it? Isn't that what the Bible says about prayer? Look at Psalm 55, 17. The Bible says, Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice. It covers those three timelines in your schedule what i do when i pray and i also look at my prayer list and my things to do list i look at that at the beginning of the day i do that at the middle of the day and i do that before i end my day and guess what if you don't do that you will forget okay because i caught myself forgetting still that's why it's so important how can you trust your flesh to remember everything you got so much confidence in your flesh when Paul says, in my flesh I have no confidence. Look at Numbers 15.39. Numbers 15.39. Numbers 15.39. How about uh, you put something right in front of your face so you don't forget it? huh? You put something right in front of your face. So before you fall into the same struggle with depression again, wouldn't it be better if you put that, that sticky note right in front of your face on the things that helped you conquer depression? And then you looked at that and it reminded you? If there's something that I have to bring in the church, guess what? I will always forget it. So if there's something I should bring to the church, I put that object right next to my door. That way before I walk out, I can see that little thing and then go, okay, I need to bring you. 
That's why I have a whole wagon. You, you see me? Me and my wife bring a wagon all the time. You know why? We put that stuff right next to our door so we don't forget. Because we don't keep track of all those things. See, what about something you put right in front of your face so you can remember? Look at Numbers chapter 15 and verse 39. The Bible says, And it shall be unto you the fringe, okay? A little fringe. Weird. For a fringe that ye may look upon it and what? Remember all the commandments of the Lord. A little fringe will make remind them of that. Sometimes it does. Put some kind of object, object that will just remind you. Maybe some of you neglected your family for so long, you need to have a picture of your family right in front of your office desk. And then every time remind yourself when you look at that, I cannot neglect my spouse. I cannot neglect my child. You need something to look at. You know what you're spending too much looking time on? Oh, 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 your own thing, your own thing. How about, uh, we won't turn to these verses, but Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 62 through 63, points out that because of a covenant that God and Israel has with each other, they start to remember the ways of the Lord and their evil doings. You ever made a resolution? I'm not talking about making false promises, but at least some kind of resolution. I will not forget to do that. I commit and put it on my schedule that I will make sure that I will read that book first thing in the morning and pray to God first thing in the morning. I will make sure that I will honor and respect my spouse. For the wives that I will obey the husband. I make a resolution that with this sin, I will not put it even. I will not put it anywhere near my presence or something that I can go to, look at, or have access to, or be even near it. I make a resolution to do that. Let's see if you'll better remember after that. Did you ever make a covenant with the Lord, so to speak? Not false promises, I'm saying, but like some sort of resolution, commitment. The Bible talks about meditating a while before rushing to your usual routine. You ever thought about that? And the book of Solomon mentions that. We're so caught up with, we got to wake up, drink coffee, do this, do that, drive through traffic, do this project, and then come back and then just watch TV all day and relax. And then, hey, my wife cooks all the dinner, all right? I'm tired after an exhausted day of work. That's your messed up routine. You have to stop. You have to press pause and meditate a bit. And I don't mean like yoga meditation, but be still and know that I am God and go, is there something that I've neglected, Lord? Is there something that I should be doing for you? Do you need to speak to me a bit? If you paused yourself, meditated a bit, your brain will finally calm down with 50 billion things going around 100 mile per hour. And if it finally stopped itself, some of the things you've forgotten might come back to you. How about where the Bible talks about in 2 Peter 1.12, 2 Peter 1.12, to, to not be negligent, to remind yourself, to always review yourself. People always neglect, neglect to do that. Why? I already know, I already know, I heard it before. No, you've forgotten, that's why you keep messing up. It's time that you stop yourself and don't be negligent to review. To review. So you can remind yourself. 
You know, in that same verse, Peter said, he said, I know that you already know, but you need to hear it. That's what he said. You don't have to believe me. You're Bible believers. You can look at that verse. You know what the worst thing is? This is what I guarantee and promise you. That way you don't forget. You know what will make you not forget? This is what everybody does. You ready for this? Lost and saved. The worst thing you can do is learn through affliction from your mistakes. When the damage is already done. And when the damage is already done and you hurt yourself, you hurt your loved ones, you hurt God, and you're under so much affliction, you finally open your eyes and says, okay, I won't remember. But it's too late. The divorce has been passed. Too late. The, ch- the children already see you as a wrecked home and they left you. And you can say you love them, you love them, you love them all you want, but the damage is already done and it's too late. It's too late. The people don't come back to church anymore. The damage is already done what you did for them. Too late. The people that you should have been a good testimony toward, you damaged it. That's the unfortunate thing about us stupid human beings is that we finally learn through the mistakes we make. And that is the worst thing that you can ever do. If I were you, I'd apply all those things that God warned you a long time ago, that the Lord gave to you a long time ago, so that these mistakes don't have to happen. Those that you don't have to pay the price. Problem with people nowadays, which is very sad that I see. People don't finally get right with God from the preaching. People don't finally apply the advice from counseling. People don't finally get victory over their temptations until the damage is already done and they're trapped. And while they're feeling so much pain and hurt, then they finally try to apply the things. That's sad. Is that you? Is that you? Look at uh, Timothy again. Look at Timothy again. Timothy again. Uh, excuse me, Corinthians. <laughs> Timothy is a person, excuse me. But Corinthians is a passage we're looking at. 1 Corinthians four seventeen. the last part it says, Of my ways which be in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. So my last point is Christ helps you to remember. Christ helps you to remember. Now, uh, it's interesting when Paul says, hey, I'm going to have you remember my ways. Here's my instruction that he adds in Christ. Because normally, if I'm Paul, if I'm the pastor, I'm going to tell you, here's my instruction to you. Here's my advice. Here's my suggestion. I'm just going to say, here's my instruction, and then blah, 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 right? It's a weird way to go... So here's my suggestion to you, in Christ, blah, 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 blah. (laughs) Kind of weird way to do that. But why would Paul put in Christ there? You know what's further interesting? You know who said in Christ the most out of everyone in the Bible? Paul. Paul is the one who said in Christ, use that line in Christ more than any other person in the Bible. Why is that important? To remember his ways, his instruction. Because without being in Christ first, all of that is nothing. You can't even stink and remember, so to speak. We got Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2, 10. Ephesians 2, 10. How can you do any good work for Jesus Christ? How can you remember to do the things of Jesus Christ if you're not in Christ to begin with? Unless you're in Christ to begin with, you can remember 
you can perform the good works. Look, look at Ephesians 2.10. This is what Paul said. He realized that. That's why he put in Christ, in Christ so many times. Because he realized without being in Christ, then everything is in vain. It's nothing. Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship. See? You can do the work created in what? In Christ Jesus. Unless you're in Christ Jesus. Then unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Wherefore what? Remember. Remember. Paul says that's why you can remember. Wherefore remember, right? So showing that that's why you can remember. Why? Because you're in Christ first. That's so important. When a person is in Christ, then I wonder if they're, they can remember more. I wonder if they can do the good works of the Lord more effectively without failing. Uh, let me say it this way, okay? You ever seen people struggling with addictions before? It's very sad. Have you been addicted to something before? It doesn't have to be a drug, friend. It could be a certain sin problem or a certain deficiency of your personality. Have you ever been addicted to something before? Man, isn't it a pain in the neck when you're addicted? That's one thing I hate about addiction. Because yours truly is no better. I have my deficiencies in the flesh. One thing I hate about addictions is that it just can keep you up at nights. It's the first thing that's on your mind when you wake up first thing in the morning. And the thing that I hate about addictions is that's the first thing on my mind in the morning and then I'm driven to do that thing. So much so that even if consciously I try to suppress that addiction, unconsciously it just still comes out. That's one thing I hate about addictions. It makes me never late for my appointments. It makes me commit it's every request and wish and desire, faithfully. It makes me never neglect it. And that's one thing I hate about addiction. Why? Once I am in addiction, I fulfill its every request and desire and never fail one thing. What if I was in Christ Jesus and I will never fail on my effort for him and I will remember to fulfill every request and desire he gives to me. Amen. I wonder how much more powerful that would be. Aren't you so sick and tired of being in depression? Depression is never easily forgotten. Always comes up easily. No matter how joyous your life is or how richly God has blessed you, you're still depressed easily. Isn't that amazing? That rich people commit suicide? Why? Because they're in depression. That's why they never forget depression and they always forget their rich prosperity and the secular joys of life. They easily forget all of that. But they, because they remember depression so well. Here's a scarier thing. Bitterness. Yes. Bitterness. Bitterness makes you never forget even if you want to forget. Why? Because once you're in bitterness, no matter how much you try to shove it off of your mind, it will always come out. And the person that hurts you, the event that hurts you, the scenario that hurts you so badly, and even, God forbid, but God himself, who you thought let you down, will never be forgotten on your mind. And you'll always remember how much damage and hurt 
God, the person, or the scenario has hurt you deeply. Why? Because you're in bitterness. It's that strong and powerful. But I wonder if I am in Christ. If I get in Christ so deeply, so intimately, so much so, I wonder if I'll forget what he wants for me to do. You know, if there's someone that you greatly love, if there's someone you greatly love, and that love is in your mind, and that person's always on your mind, you're going to remember to fulfill every request and desire according to that love. So if you love addiction, you're not going to forget its request. If you love depression, you're not going to forget its request. If you love bitterness, you're not going to request, uh, you're not going to forget its request. If you love Jesus Christ so much, and that is in you, you won't forget. Revelation 2, 4, and 5, that's why Jesus said to the church of Ephesus, who was so faithful, Bible-believing, exposing false prophets, teaching right doctrine, avidly soul-winning, doing the work of the Lord, the church is so busy doing God's work. But you know what Jesus said? Nevertheless, I have someone against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, remember where thou art fallen, and repent. We forgot our very first love, Jesus. The ba- this is so basic in Christ. Nothing deep, just something basic in Christ. We left that very first basic, our first love. And unfortunately, we went to our secondary loves, our other loves. Depression, misery, guilt, discouragement, bitterness, anger, sin. How can we leave our first love? Jesus Christ and go to those secondary, those other, those strange loves out there. Can I tell you something? Can I ask you something? Aren't you sick and tired of being miserable? Aren't you sick and tired of letting God down? Are any of you depressed right now? Aren't you sick and tired of remembering bitterness and wrong assumptions of others? Aren't you sick and tired of those negative emotions weighing you down? Are you sick and tired being reminded by Mr. Discouragement that, oh, you didn't do a good job, so you let God down? Aren't you sick and tired of stress being the first person you see every day, reminding you on how hard life is, how hard work is? I don't know about you. If I were you, I'd be sick and tired of those things and go back to my first love, Jesus, and have him take away, take away those things from me and be lost in Christ Be reminded once more. And then let's see how I can do the work for him without forgetting.
every head bow and every eye shut.